Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Everything Pup podcast. I'm your host, Holly Montgomery. So, you've got yourself a new dog, you've wandered off to the pet food store, and now you're completely overwhelmed with choices when it comes to what to feed your new pup. Now, the pet food industry has come a long way over the last decade. In the old days when I was a little kid, my mom and I, we would just go into the grocery store to buy food for our dogs. But because consumers like myself demanded better options, now there are tons of healthy options available on the market for your dog. But how do you choose what kind of food? How do you know where to start? In this episode, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a tour through our pet food stores, the Legacy and Copperfield Tailblazers in Calgary, Canada. I'm going to teach you about all the different food options. I know you're thinking dog food equals those little dry kibbles, but there are a lot more options than that. And there are pros and cons to each one of them. So if you're looking for a new pet food or how to improve your pup's current diet, you're not going to want to miss this episode. You're listening to the Everything Pup Podcast, the place for dedicated pup parents to find valuable dog-centric tips, interviews with trusted industry experts and your favorite dog brands, and everything else you need to become an informed advocate for your best friend. Now, here's your host, Holly Montgomery. Welcome back. Okay, I'm going to start out this show by just giving you one of the best tips I can possibly give you right off the bat. Go find yourself a local, independent pet food store where the staff are very knowledgeable. Some even have certificates in different pet food um, courses and that sort of thing. If you can find yourself a resource like that, that's invaluable. And if you live in Calgary in the deep south, you can always use us as that resource. But if you find a store like that, they're already probably putting in a lot of the legwork for you in terms of screening the foods they bring into their stores. So then all you have to do is kind of narrow it down between their options. And if you go into a pet food store like that, what they're going to do when you come in looking for a new dog food, they're going to ask you what kind of food that you're looking for. Because some people come in looking for raw, but most come in looking for kibble. And now going forward, I will just say kibble is those little dry extruded pellets that we're all used to seeing that have become really popular over the last, say, 40, 50 years. But there, like I said, this whole episode is going to be exploring some of the other options. And when these new uh, pet owners come into the store, they're always surprised to learn about these many options and are very curious about kind of going into a little bit more detail about some of them. So today I'm basically going to give you kind of the little talk that we give our new customers and to help them choose uh, food for their dog. So here we go. We're going to run through some of these options. And what I'm going to do is go through the least processed to the most. And now there's going to be some variables between these different kinds of foods because every pet food company manufactures their food a little bit differently. So this is just going to kind of be a general structure for you to kind of follow when you go into the store and you're deciding what to buy. And I also want to say, and We'll talk a little bit about this at the end of the episode, but what I also want to say is there's no reason why you have to commit to just one of these options. I know that you've kind of been told that, and the pet food industry has brainwashed us a little bit in terms of making us believe that we have to go onto one pet food and stay on that food, but that's actually not great for your dog. 
And there are a lot of reasons for that, which we won't go into today. That's not the topic of the episode, but um, keep that in mind. Just because you decide today you want to do a raw diet, if your circumstances change, or if you're too busy on weekends or you camp a lot or that sort of thing, raw is not the best option for those those things. So um, you have options. You don't have to stick to just one of them. All right. So speaking of raw diets, let's start with raw diets. Now I'm going to start each little category with giving you some examples. And the examples I'm giving you are foods that we actually sell. There are tons of quality differences between the different types of pet foods on the market. And that doesn't limit just to dry food. I know some of pe- some people have gotten pretty savvy on distinguishing a good quality dry food from a bad quality dry food, but they just assume all raw diets are good quality. And that isn't the case. And there are, geez, this topic is so big. It is definitely not going to fit into this episode, but there are a lot of things you want to look for when you're choosing a raw diet, and maybe that's an episode on its own. But let's just do um, some of the pros and cons of raw diet. So while I go through the examples, I'm not necessarily going to list everything we carry or necessarily my favorite ones, but we have listeners from all over the world. So I want to lay out some options for um, people in the United States and Canada, because raw diets tend to be very regional. And that's one of the actually big pros of them. But um, so some of these diets might not be available in your area, but Primal Pet Food has a raw diet. Answers Pet Food is a big one in the U.S. Carnivora is a really big one in Canada. Bold and Big Country Raw are some examples of raw diets. Now, a raw food diet isn't simply just throwing in a bunch of hamburger meat that you bought at the grocery store. They should consist of muscle meat ground bone, organ meat, and sometimes veg. And some of them also have supplements. So now this is where the pet food store that you shop at comes in really handy because they're going to be able to tell you what things are missing from certain brands and what you should be adding. Now, Big Country Raw is an example of a raw food diet that actually on their packaging will tell you what you need to add, which is really handy. Um, Another thing you want to look for with raw diets is be wary of the butcher shop garage. I call them garage brands because they're raw diets that are sold usually out of people's garages. But a lot of these diets can be mostly trim with really nothing else in them, just a lot of fatty trim. So I'm not saying they're all bad, but I'm just saying you're going to have to be wary of that when you're choosing one. All right. So some of the best pros of raw diets is that it's the least processed option. It's the easiest to absorb and it's the most species appropriate. So close descendants of dogs would be wolves and that's what they would be eating in the wild. So they would get some stomach contents, which will have your pureed veg. And when you are shopping for raw diets, you can sometimes get those veg mixed in or you can buy the veg separately and put them on top. But raw food diets are also high in moisture, which is really valuable because the body needs that moisture and dogs and cats are meant to get moisture from their food, not so much by drinking it out of a water bowl. Another great thing about raw diets is they have fewer ingredients. So you're not getting a whole bunch of weird ingredients that you don't understand or can't decipher. And this can be really handy for food trials. So if your dog has an allergy and a food allergy and you need to figure out what it is, Raw diets can be really helpful because sometimes they only contain three or four ingredients, which is quite nice. And your dog typically has less gas. My dogs don't normally have gas at all unless um, I fed them something different. Their stools are smaller, less smelly, and their dental health is incredible. Um, 
two of my dogs, actually, one of my dogs recently had a dental, but I didn't ask for it. <laughs> he went under for something else and they did one. But the before and after picture was pretty laughable because I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> and he's 10 years old. So that just kind of goes to prove how amazing these diets can be for dental health. Now, I have another dog who's prone to staining. Um, I think it's because he has very little saliva production and that's a genetic thing for him. And um, he does require more help in the dental area. So again, this is generalizations, but for the most part, dogs that are fed raw food diets have better dental health. And another point that I mentioned earlier on was that many raw food diets are local. So if you want to support um, pet food companies more in your local area, this is a benefit. Um, raw food diets are expensive to ship. So this is one of the big reasons why, and they're expensive to store. So this is one of the big reasons why a lot of pet food stores will try to source uh, local companies in their area. So this is good. Now, some of the cons. The cons are that it's the least convenient option. You need freezer space and not everybody has that. You need to remember to thaw it. And all that being said, you get in the habit of this, but these are some of the cons. They can be more expensive, but a lot of raw food diets, if you shop smart, can be kind of at the top end of a premium kibble price. So you can sometimes get a, a good raw diet that comes close in price to a premium kibble. And it can also be hard to determine the good diets from the bad. And this is where you're going to have to either find a good pet food store that looks into the companies on their part, on their side, or you're going to have to learn how to do that yourself. Now, the bacteria and salmonella argument comes up quite frequently uh, when people are opposing raw food diets. And something important to keep in mind is there's actually never been any case of a person getting sick from a raw food diet or a child. And something else to consider is in my 15 plus years in the pet food industry, I've seen more recalls with dog treats and dry food that contain salmonella and, and bacteria. So this is not any reason to eliminate a raw food option. It's definitely something worth looking into if um, it interests you, but don't get too scared. I've been feeding raw food for raw diets over for over 15 years with my dogs, actually pretty close to 20. And um, we do have an immune compromised person in our home and knock on wood, nothing's ever become of it. And um, we've also had very healthy dogs. The next option on the list is freeze-dried diets. Now, if you can't feed a, a raw food diet because you don't have freezer space or time, freeze-dried diets are actually the next in line for uh, best quality options for your dog. Now, some examples of freeze-dried diets include Open Farm, Primal, Canine Naturals, and Stella and Chewies. I'm also going to include dehydrated diets in this category, although dehydrated diets are a little bit different. And some dehydrated diets include Zeewee Peak, Honest Kitchen, Grand Cru, and Sojo's. So... These diets are made without high levels of heat applied to them, meaning nutrients are kept intact. Freeze-dried diets have no heat applied to them at all. And some of the dehydrated diets, and like I mentioned earlier, they're all produced a little bit differently. So just keep this in mind when choosing one. But dehydrated diets are often just air-dried, and the air isn't a significantly hot temperature, but some may be. So this is something worth looking into. If you want to, you can ask the company when you're shopping around. So as I mentioned, when you add water to these diets, they're the next best thing to raw. 
Now the pros are they have the convenience of dry food, they travel well, they're shelf stable, freeze-dried diets are extremely palatable as are some dehydrated, many are very low carb. Now I want you to go check out my blog post, um, Are Grain-Free Foods Bad for Dogs? I'm going to include the link in the show notes, but that's going to tell you how to determine if the food you're shopping for is high in carbs or not. And some dehydrated diets are very low. Zewi Peak is an example, but Honest Kitchen is an example one that of one that is quite high. So there's going to be variation. So this isn't the end-all be-all, but this is just something to help you choose. Now, um, the cons. Now, price can be one of the big things. It has all the convenience of kibble and the nutrition of raw, which means there can be a hefty price tag. And again, these are going to vary between brands. And they can be very dehydrating on the body if you don't add moisture to them. So make sure that you do add moisture to your freeze-dried and air-dried slash dehydrated diets. Next in line are cooked and or refrigerated diets. So some examples of cooked diets, and I find it hard to find good examples of cooked diets. So I'm going to name the two that I like, and that's Raised Right and Open Farm. Now, these are the only two cooked diets that I could find that were fairly low in carbohydrates. And um, I've fed both of these to my dogs from time to time. Now, the pros of a cooked diet is they can be very palatable. And the quality diets are not overly processed. Some are cooked with a sous vide. So this is very low heat applied over a longer period of time. And it's not very processed at all. So there's not high heat applied, although um, there probably there is some. And they're decently high in moisture, which is, we've discussed this, this is a good thing. Cons, they can be hard to find quality options. They can be a little on the expensive side if you have a large dog. And also it can weirdly be hard to find options for puppies. Most of them are for adult dogs only. And they're going to need freezer space and fridge space once you thought as the raw diets. And One thing you need to be careful of is because this is a highly trending area in the pet food space right now, there's a lot of options popping up. And what I'm seeing is there's a lot of options that are very geared toward making it look pleasant, something that a human would want to eat. So noodles, pasta, that sort of thing, you can see these added to these diets because it's something that seems tempting to a person. Now, remember dogs, honestly, people don't need pasta either. It's a highly processed, very low nutritional item to have in their food. So be watch for that. If you see something that has a really cute name and there's great big fat noodles in there, especially wheat noodles, not a great option. They're not species appropriate. So just keep your eyes out for that. The next option on the list is canned foods. And there's tons of options out there, but some that we sell in our store are Origin, Akana, First Mate, Nature's Logic, Roz, and Waruva. So these are some good options. Now these diets are cooked, but not at excessively high temperatures. Usually they're in a kettle prior to canning and then they have some steaming process inside the can. Like again, the processes can vary, but most are processed in a similar manner to this. So they're cooked, but at lower temps. Now, some of the pros, they are high in moisture. They can be very palatable, especially to cats. They're shelf stable and they have long expiration. So if you're putting together an emergency kit for yourself, for your dog, for your cat, this is a good option to have in that kit. 
Now, some of the cons is that if you are feeding a large breed dog exclusively on cans, it can be really expensive. So just watch for that. And one really big bummer about canned diets is that the manufacturing of canned diets is very expensive. So most pet food companies don't have their own facilities. And what that means is they have to outsource their production to these big companies that just strictly manufacture canned foods. And that just means that they're losing a little bit of control over what's happening over their foods. And some pet food companies like First Mate, they've created their own canning facility because they don't want to put that onto another company because it just kind of loosens their grip on their control a little bit. And 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 I think that's important. If the pet food company has high standards in order to oversee them 100%, the production should be under their roof. And that doesn't happen very often with canned diets. And another thing about canned diets that I've personally noticed, and you can let me know if you disagree with this, but I've noticed that if my dogs eat canned diets for any amount of time, they tend to have smellier, looser stools. And I'm honestly not really sure why that is, because it should be pretty easy to digest, but um, I just noticed that myself. So keep that in mind. Now, another one that I'm not going to talk about a lot today is baked kibble diets. It's kind of the next in line here. Um, and it might not actually be right here in line because I'm not quite sure where it would fit. There is not a lot of examples of baked ki baked kibble diets out there. In fact, I only know of one. I'm sure there's more. And it's called carnivore. And I don't know enough about, to, about it to really tell you where that's going to fit in this um, kind of spectrum of processed versus unprocessed. But I'm I'm guessing it's going to be kind of just one step below extruded kibble diets, which is kind of where we're at in this um, podcast at the moment. So this is where I'm going to put it. Now, like I said, there's not many diets available out there, but they are worth a mention. So if you are more interested in looking into something like carnivore, it's still going to be a better option than going to an extruded kibble diet because they aren't cooked at such high temps. So next on the list is the extruded kibble diets. Now, these are the most processed diets on the market. And it is because of the way they're manufactured. And some examples of kibble diets that you may have heard of include Origin, From, Farmina, Open Farm, and Nature's Logic. And as I mentioned before, these aren't necessarily my top choices, but they are some popular choices that you can find around the world. And the biggest pro and the main reason why it's so they're so popular is that they're shelf-stable, cost-effective, and convenient. Now, remember the shelf stableness only happens as long as the bag is closed. You can check out uh, my podcast talking about um, food storage, and it will explain a little bit more about why the, sh the shelf stability goes down once you open the bag. But these are the main pros. Convenience is the big one for us, and this is why they're so popular. Now, the cons, they are the most processed, as I mentioned. They're very high in carb carbs and binders and even the lowest carb ones are too high. They're not as species appropriate for that reason. They have very little moisture so they can be dehydrating to an animal. They're harder to digest and they're cooked at very high temps. Now some manufacturers might tell you that theirs are not extruded at very high temps but this is just 
compared to other kibbles that are extruded, there's still higher temps than some of these other options that we discussed. So this is something to keep in mind. And because they're produced at higher temperatures, that kills a lot of the nutrition in the food, the natural nutrition. So it has to be added back in the form of a synthetic vitamin or mineral. And I'm not saying none of the diets listed previous to this don't have synthetic vitamins and minerals because many of them do. But they tend to be more significant in extruded diets. So this is something to keep in mind. Now, I've probably exploded your brain a little bit and given you a lot to think about, but I want to reiterate that there's no reason why you can't do a variety of these diets unless you have a dog with irritable bowel or that is very sensitive. But if you get a new dog, a new puppy, and you start one by one trying new things with your dog, as long as the bowel tolerance is good, you can do some variety in these diets. So for example, if you want to feed a raw food diet most of the time because it's the least processed, but you need to keep costs down or you're very busy in the mornings getting ready for work or weekends you camp and travel, so you need another option, there's no reason why you can't do that. Or if you need like I, I like to highly encourage this with my customers is to always have an emergency stash of food for your dog and yourself. And raw is not a great option for that. So if you want to buy some freeze dried or kibble or something like that for an emergency stash, there's no reason why you can't do that. Now, just remember, introduce new things into your pet's diet little by little and just watch the stool and just make sure they handle it okay. Now, if you want to feed kibble most of the time, but you want to introduce some less processed options, there's ways you can do that too through toppers. Now you can buy pureed vegetables. You can add things like turkey hearts or little things like that. There's lots of options for that. And I do have a blog post on that as well, which I will post in the show notes. And it'll give you some ideas of things that you can add to add some less processed food to your dog's diet. So again, there's no reason why you can't just mix and match. Now, one thing I would recommend, and this is a controversial thing, some people disagree with this, but if if it were me feeding kibble and raw, the least processed and the most processed options, I would not feed them in the same meal. And I would just do that because it's easier on their digestive system. Now, some people disagree with this and that's okay. And if that's one of you, if you're one of them, then go ahead and mix them. But if it was me, I'm speaking for myself, I would speak or I would feed raw one meal and kibble the other meal just a few hours apart. Now, most dogs are gonna probably handle it just fine if you mix them together, but I always like to give options for the worst case scenario. And there are a lot of dogs out there with sensitive tummies. So um, I just try to make it a little bit easier on those particular dogs. So make sure you check out the show notes for this particular episode. I'll be linking to the blog posts I mentioned and to the previous um, podcasts that I mentioned as well. So always keep in mind too that the advice I give here on nutrition is not to be substituted for veterinary advice. Make sure if you have any big problems or concerns that you consult with your veterinarian or an expert in pet food nutrition. These topics are brought to you kind of in a general manner for for the average dog. So if you have a particular um, health concern or that sort of thing, make sure that you always consult with a, an expert that can give you advice based on your particular dog. Always remember that. 
Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you found some valuable tidbits in there. Uh, some information that'll help you next time you go in and choose a new dog food. And I want to thank you for listening and bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and share with your dog-loving friends. The information in this podcast is not intended to replace veterinary care. Always consult with your veterinarian for diagnosis and treatment of your pup.